Who will you become? That, that is my question for you today. Who will you become? We're going into a new year, and next Sunday we're going to have our missionary with us. And so I, I'm, I'm just preaching to you today. I know that we'll probably have visitors coming over the next week or two, you know, three or four or five or six. We're doing some great things in that area to, to make sure that, that we uh, touch those people's lives. But who will you become? And I want to start out with our verse, our first part of our scripture here, starting in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And all of you probably have read this story many times, but let's hit it. This is when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he said, uh, Now one came and said to, to Jesus, Good teacher, what good deed shall I do to have eternal life? And he replied to him, why do you call me good? There is one who is good. There is one who is good. But if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, which ones? You know, isn't that, isn't that like us? You know, we're like, okay, keep, keep the Well, which ones do I need to keep? So there's some I don't have to keep, maybe? You know, don't have to do that? He says, which ones? And Jesus says, well, uh, you should not commit murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal, bear false witness. You need to honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And for those of you who don't know, that summarizes and sums up all 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are split into two sections, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two things that uh, the 10 commandments are about, love God and love yourself. The young man said, uh, love others. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept from my youth what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But the young man heard this, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Lord, I just pray this morning that you will encourage us in your word as we learn, as we listen, as we listen to your heart, to your voice, Lord, that we will become who you want us to be. Now, when we read this scripture, a lot of people use this scripture to bash people who have wealth in the head. If you have wealth, great. I think it's a great thing. If you are successful and, you are, and you're, you're healthy in your finances, I think that's an amazing thing. Why? Because you can help out. And I'll give you an example of someone uh, that is that kind of a person. Growing up in Murfreesboro, Arkansas, a little old town of 1,600 people or so, um, it changed like 20 every, you know, every census, about 20 people more or less. You know, that was about it, you know. It was, it was a boom town, you know. Uh, but it, growing up there, across the street from the church where we were, there, were, there was a couple who lived there. Their name were the Anthonys. And uh, Brother Anthony came to our church pretty much full time. He was a deacon at, at times at our church. And Sister Anthony, she went to, I think, the Methodist church. Uh, but she would come every once in a while and visit with us. But they kind of went to two different churches and... For me, that would be a little bit weird, but they loved the Lord. And one of the things that was so cool about them was they were wealthy, and they really took care of their property. I mean, my mom used to say we'd drive to Nashville, and they would weed eat around their fences. I mean, I'm talking about their barbed wire fences. They'd weed eat, and we're like, man, our cows are getting, getting out. We can't even keep our fences up, and they're weed eating around them. Wish we, wish we could do that, you know. It'd be nice. And it looked beautiful. And people would say, oh, well, well, they had all this wealth, and look at what they were just wasting money on. Well, number one, somebody was getting paid to do that, so that was a good thing. But number two, they had multiple houses that they owned. 
But those houses weren't for themselves. Those houses were for missionaries and pastors to come and to have a sabbatical and have time off. So they took their wealth, and, and instead of saying, hey, this wealth is just for us, they took it and they said, how can we help the kingdom of God with what the Lord has given us? She had a little, and it wasn't even a store, it was a shop. I mean, it was a one-room uh, shack, really. It was nice. It was really nice right there by our house. And she had, um, she had Christian stuff. You know, around here we've got uh, Mardell's, right? Of course, now you can go online and buy it, but you have Mardell's. You go into Mardell's, this huge place. You go and see whatever you want. Well, you go in there, and they had a little bit of stuff. And I remember when our house burned down, I went in there, and, and I still have this. It hangs on our wall at our house. And she says, you can have anything in my store. She had decor and different things like this, and she had one that was the armor of God. I says, you know, I'd like that, you know. And so she gave me that, and I, I don't know. Uh, she used to do give my mom stuff. Just a great lady. Love the Lord. Just love the Lord. Sweet lady, too. And she had wealth. So when we read these scriptures, we don't need to get on people that have a lot of money. But instead, we need to say, okay, but what are you doing with that? Who will you become? This year, I don't know what God's going to do in your life. You may be a millionaire by the end of next year. You may, you may be a billionaire. I don't know. You may have $5 in the bank account at the end of next year. I don't know. But the question is, in all of that, whether, whether you have a lot of wealth or you have little wealth, who will you become? Who will you decide to become this next year as Jesus is speaking to your heart in life, as the Holy Spirit? And that is one thing that I was thinking about this week a lot. And, uh, and, and Connie called me yesterday, and she's like, hey, are you listening to one thing? Are you, are you paying attention? I'm like, I'm driving, Connie. I can barely talk to you. I've got earbuds in. That's why I can talk to you. She's like, well, if you could listen to it, it's really good. I says, thank you. And, and I did log in for a little bit, but the, my reception was kind of choppy, so I didn't get to. But I was just listening to just some of the worship, uh, the, the, the singing going on. And, and I was like, you know, this is, this is good. You know, I really enjoy the singing and everything. But for some reason, in that, hearing that is just, I just felt like the Lord's saying, who will you become? Because, see, we are unlimited church, and I know that we've got some people out on vacation, but we are an unlimited church, and who you become affects who unlimited church becomes. Bottom line, who you become affects what unlimited church becomes, and so the question is, who will you become this next year? See, I want you to become someone who is close to the Lord. Uh, with, with, this, with this man right here, when he came to Jesus, he left sorrowful because he wasn't willing to give up something. See, Jesus knew what he wasn't willing to give up. He was willing not to commit adultery. He was willing not to murder. He was willing not to lie, cheat, steal. He was willing to go to, to uh, take Sabbath and, and go worship the Lord on Sabbath. He was willing to, to sacrifice. He was willing to do all those things. But there was one area he wasn't willing to touch. And Jesus came to him and said, when he came to Jesus, he said, what else do I need to do? And Jesus is like, I'm glad you asked. Because if you remember, he says, how many of these commandments do I got to keep? He's like, well, uh, you know, which ones do I need to keep? And pretty much Jesus says, keep all of them. All right, I've done that. And he says, yeah, now if you want to be perfect, you want to be right, go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. And he walks away sad. Why? Because he was living on the outside, but he wasn't living on the inside. On the outside, he looked great. On the outside, he looked good. On the outside, he looked very spiritual, but on the inside, he didn't. That takes us to our next section of Scripture here, Matthew chapter 23, verses 
23 through 28. It says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, you first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, the same thing's going on with the Pharisees as it was going on with this man. And, and this is what is so cool how, how Will was bringing us together this morning, that the, that the inside of us, we're focused on, on this part of the house, right? What we, what we look like on the outside. But see, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and have we focused on that temple and built that up and put the walls in place? Have we, have we done the things that we need to do so the temple of the Holy Spirit inside of us is where it needs to be? As, as we look into this year, we say, who will you become? As you say to yourself, who am I going to become this year, Lord? Instead of going into this year saying, hey, I've got things to do, because let me tell you something, we all have things to do. We can get very busy. And before you know it, time has flown. Time has, has flown. Christy and I were talking about some things last night uh, concerning uh, some of these things. And I says, well, you know, we could continue to do this right here. And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about in our personal stuff. And, and we could continue to do this right here. And that's great. But are we leaving God out of it to the point that there's no time for him because we're just doing it ourselves? As we were saying this morning, we work really hard, but it doesn't come to fruition. The things don't happen that need to happen because it's not God doing it. It's us doing it it who will we become will we be uh will we be like the rich young ruler and say hey we've got all this stuff we worked really hard for this stuff and i like all this stuff and i want all this stuff and so i gotta hold on to it or the lord says give it all away so come follow me now listen the anthony's they gave and gave and gave and they were still wealthy why because they uh they did what the lord wanted them to do with their money that's what i believe i believe the lord blessed them because they blessed the lord and they believed that way so we don't look at people and say well this rich young ruler the rich young ruler it wasn't his wealth that it was the problem it was that he wasn't willing to let it go it was more important to him it was more important to him the wealth that he had it was more important to him than than following Jesus. See he was seeing Jesus. He saw all the things Jesus was doing just like we do. We see God, God do things, great things, awesome things, mighty things. We see people come in. We pray with people on the sidewalk. We see people come from our caroling to to church and we go this is great. This is great. This is great. He was doing the same thing. He saw all the mir- miracles that Jesus was doing, all the great things that he wanted to be a part of it. But when it came time for Jesus to say for you to be a part of it, this is what I need you to do. He was like, oh, God, I, don't, I, just, I, man, I just can't do that. Now, in contrast, 
You think of the disciples. You think of the apostles. What did they do? What did they do? Jesus comes calling them, hey, guys, come follow me. And they threw their nets down. They took off. I'm sure their dad their, and everybody else that was connected to them were mad. You're supposed to take these nets and dry them out and do all this. They just chunked them down, took off, started following Jesus. They didn't even think about it. All right, let's follow him. Let's go after it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Who will we become? Who will you become? See, when we look at, when we look at all this, and, and one of the points I really want to drive, it's, it's not really about wealth. These are examples because I, I don't know where everybody is in, in their finances. That's not the point. But the point is that what is in our life this coming year that we haven't already said, okay, Jesus, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord's like, hey, man, I need you to do this right here. And have we got ready to say, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And we say, but you know what? It's, it's hard. It's difficult to do that. But I like what we were studying Wednesday night, what he said Wednesday night. When we look at the expanse of the universe, when we look up at the stars in the sky, and there was a picture, there was a picture, and I should have put it up there, got it, but there's a picture of all these stars. It's just white. And then there's this little bitty square, all these bright white stars, this little bitty square. And they said that is all the Hubble's, that, that's the Hubble telescope. That's as much as it can see in this little square. What you're seeing here is an is a expanded version. But the Hubble telescope, to see these stars out there, it can only see this little square. You can't really see all these other stars in, its, in detail because there's so many. The sands of the sea are the stars in the heavens. We can't even count them. There's so many of them. There's, there is an average of 30 million miles. It's 30 million, right? What's the, what's the number? 30 million miles in between each star. 30 million. We're talking about divine design. And when you begin to look at this, you begin to go, whoa, my goodness. And we think that we're going to be Star Trek and go where no man has ever gone before. <laughs> Captain James T. Kirk. Captain of the Starship Enterprise. And we think we can do this. Even if we went to warp speed, we couldn't get there. We think we're gonna we think we're gonna go to Mars and we're gonna settle on Mars because you know the, the earth is melting down. Well pff, you can't live on Mars. There's no sun there. And then you, then we, we looked at all we looked at all the aspects of the world and, and we start out with the earth compared to the sun, and the sun is humongous. Humongous. And and, and then you went on down to um, Oh, not Pluto. What was the other one? He talked about Pluto all the time because Pluto's not a planet anymore. Poor little thing. What was the other one? The, uh, huh? Jupiter. Jupiter. Uh, he's talking about Jupiter and, and the gravitational forces of Jupiter. And Jupiter is, is, is kind of like this cosmic vacuum cleaner that keeps uh, asteroids from hitting us. And you look at all this stuff lined up in, in, in this solar system of ours. And then you, then you look at uh, our sun is huge and Jupiter is huge. And it just gets, these stars are bigger and bigger. Before you know it, here's Earth. This little, you can't even see it. And here's this other star that's gargantuan. It's huge. It would swallow up our sun. And then we sit back and we think that we have control. We think that we control everything. 
and I'm not just talking about global warming, global cooling, or climate change, whichever three you want to call it nowadays, because they've never been right. That's neither here nor there. But what I'm saying is we think we control everything. It is so difficult for us that we are driving down the road and our mind, my mind goes, I'm driving down the road in my truck and I hope it doesn't break down. What? What do we really control this stuff? Do we really think that we control things? And and then I, I begin to think, who will I become and who will unlimited church become and who will each person in our church become this next year? Cause God's got great things in store for us. Yeah, I know that, that in, in our move that there's been changes. People, change is hard on the people. It's just, you know, people like to do the same thing, you know. They like to eat the same food when they go out to eat. They go out to eat. They're like, yeah, I get the ham and cheese sandwich on rye every time I come here. Why? Because they're used to it. It's good. So change happens, and it's difficult. But who are we going to become this year? Who's God going to, uh, what's God going to do in you? Who will you become in God so that we reach people through Unlimited Church. So we reach outside of Unlimited Church. And the first thing for us to be able to understand who we can become is understand the God that we serve, who he is. Because until till we understand him, we want to use our own logic and put God in a box and say, no, this is as far as God can go. He really can't go any further than this. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18 tells us something totally different. Jesus was talking and he said to to the people that are around, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So if you want to preach to your dog at your house, that's okay. You want to preach to your cat? Because he said every creature. I've preached to a lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? You get out there, you're out there on the... Driving, driving on a tractor, you know, you preach to the, to the grasshoppers, you know, jumping across in front of you. You can preach to every creature. But he says, go into all the world. He didn't say go into some of the world. And back then, you're like, oh, the world, man, you know, that's a long ways. And then he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's a miracle in and of itself, right? But he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. Now, I'm going to jump into these for a minute. And I want you to, to understand the kind of God that we serve. He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. Let me tell you something. We don't need to search out demonic spirits. We don't need to search out demonically possessed people. But I will say this. We need to be prepared and Holy Spirit filled up to overflowing that if that happens, and they're everywhere. Let me tell you something. When you go overseas into Africa, into other countries, this is quite common, where the witch doctors and everything are, are going on. There are lots of people who are demonically possessed, and the devil shows out. Why? Because they're scared of that. Over here, the devil works in a little bit different, different way. Uh, the demonic activity over here is different. Uh, it may not be so overt. We always think of watching some scary movie, and, oh, that's, that's the demonic. Demonic can be in different things. Uh, it can be in possession that will not allow per, uh, somebody to get to Jesus, Okay. And, and, and that person can be controlled. And, uh, you know, Frank was praying for somebody one day in Tulsa. He had a prayer line, and he comes down, and, and he was praying with people. And he touched this one person. I'm thinking he's just praying for people, you know, like I've done sometimes. And he prays for the, He touches this person, and immediately she flies backwards onto the floor. And she bounces about two, two feet flat as a board off the floor, up and down, up and down. It's real stuff. And as godly and, and, and spirit-filled as Frank is, it scared him to death, you know, because he had seen this, but it's real stuff. We have, we have literally Baptist missionaries 
that this stuff goes on. They go, no, we even experience it. We even see this kind of stuff. And they come back and say, well, why don't you tell the churches around here? Says, because they kick us out. They wouldn't pay. They wouldn't give us money because they don't believe. They don't want to believe in the supernatural. Of course, the scripture says that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, against rulers of the darkness in high places. The world out there, think about the day that Jesus was born, then the heavenly host of the Lord's army appeared. The world that we do not see is real. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. We, we did a series on that last, just this, you know, last few months ago uh, on speaking in tongues, what that entails. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, again, there are people who have taken this stuff out of context context like they'll take up servants you serpents they'll have a church and they'll have snakes and they like to handle snakes to prove that they can take up serpents. that's not what he was talking about if you remember when paul gets off the ship he shipwrecked he gets on land he gets bit by a serpent he shakes it off in the fire and everybody's going what just he must be a god but he took that moment that opportunity to say no i serve the God who made this servant. I serve the God who made the venom in this servant, serpent. Who, who, I serve the God who can control everything. And that's why I'm not dead. Who will you become this year? Will you become the person who believes that our God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, any way he wants to? Another thing, we, another thing that was said, I, I like it. This is, I'm going to use this this year, okay? As a matter of fact, it may be kind of our theme for this year. Empty your mind, empty your mind of all impossibilities, and that is God. Empty your mind of all impossibilities, and that is God. That's the God that we serve. He can do it, he can do it anytime, anywhere, anyhow, any way he wants to do it. That's the God we serve. Empty your mind. See, we want to put our logic into this thing. We want to say, oh, no, we know what it is. We, we logically, I, I'll tell you, we logically can do this. Now, sometimes we're, we may just be a little bit crazy and we're just a little, oh, you know, I was praying for my truck one time back when I was about 16 years old. I went four-wheeling and um, uh, a four-wheel drive truck and, and we were headed on the way back on this road and it just stopped get out, won't start, had to walk about three miles back to town, get another truck, pull it to my house, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with this truck. And so what I did, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I went and I got some cooking oil out of, the, out of the kitchen. And I went and poured cooking oil on the hood of my truck. Now, that wasn't the smartest idea because cooking oil and sun in the heat of the day It fries into your truck. Let me just put it that away. So as long as I had that truck after that, now it wasn't a great looking truck or anything, all right? It was cheap, you know. Um, well, it was a lot for me. It was $2,000 when I bought it. But, uh, you know, it didn't have air conditioning, none of that stuff. But it was funny because that, that, where that oil was, it dried into the truck. I was like, oh, I should have wiped it off and washed it off after I prayed for it, right? But in that, but I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then for some reason, something occurred to me. What about the fuel pump? And the fuel pump was on the outside of the frame, which it shouldn't have been. And what had happened was a limb had got in and pulled the wire out of the fuel pump so it had no, no juice to run. I say that all, all to say this. Why do I say that? Because when we begin to pray and ask God, maybe he can give us some wisdom on what we're supposed to do. 
Now, other times, maybe it's not just wisdom, but it is a truly miraculous answer. Because what did he say at the end of that? He says, they will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We, we need to pray that we live unlimitless. That we live with our brain, with our head empty of all impossibilities. They say, this is the God we serve. Let me tell you something. I said this in Sunday school this morning. Every week, there is 100 to 200 churches that close their doors in the United States. Every year, that equates to six to 10,000 churches a year that are closing their doors. The amount of people that go to church right now in the United States of America is around 22% go at least once or twice a month. 22%. At the rate that we're going by 2050, only 11% of the United States of America will go to church. 11%. And as we see more and more people leaving the church and more and more churches shutting down, what do we see in our government? What do we see in our public schools? What do we see in our businesses and the people that we're around? Idolatry, godlessness, lawlessness, all of this stuff happens. The problem is if we do like the Pharisees and we focus on the outside, remember what he says? Oh, you wash the outside of the bowl, but the inside of your bowl's dirty. It's filthy. It's gross. It's nasty. You strain it at a gnat. You, you, you sift and sift your food. Oh, there's another, I've got to watch out for this gnat. But, you, but at the same time, there's a camel stuck in there, and you can't even figure, you don't even find the camel. You're trying to swallow a camel. The little gnat that doesn't really do anything, you know, and it was a figure of, a, a figure of speech, but he's saying, hey, you're, you're focusing on these little things. When there's this huge object you don't even realize. You don't, you don't realize how bad off you are, Pharisees. You're so religious and you're so spiritual, but you're spiritually dry. You don't have me. You don't have God. You don't have anything. All you've got is a bunch of talk. We have a lot of Christians in the United States that have a bunch of talk in them. And I know that we don't hear. I know that we've got a great church here. And, and the people here, I, I, God's put amazing people in this church. But we have to say, now, maybe we have good talk, and maybe we have God, but how far can we allow God to take us? Will we allow 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to live in our lives? Will we allow 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to live in our lives? And I'm telling you this, you can write down, read them all three later. Will we allow 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to live in our lives? See, a lot of us want to, again, I've talked about this before, a lot of us like to quote, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter is a great chapter, it's all about God and who we should be, how we should be, how we should love people, but we have to realize that in all of this, it, it, those three chapters together, they bring together the power of God working in a Christian's life. The miraculous, whether it's prophecy, message in tongues, healing, you know, miracles, or loving somebody unconditionally, they all work together. When they all work together, then you become what God really wants you to be. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And I want to say going into this year, you may have some things that you're just like, man, this is pressing down on me. It's pushing on me. I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Let me tell you, I'm in your boat too. All right, I'm riding the same boat that you're riding in, okay? I'm going, I'm trying to go up the river with no paddle in my hand, right? If you ever tried to take a, a canoe and go up the river without a paddle in your hand, you're doing this like this, it's hard to get anywhere. Finally, you just jump out of the boat, start pulling the boat behind you, you know, and swimming. You can get somewhere a lot quicker. Sometimes I feel like that. I feel like I'm just trying to paddle upstream, right? And you probably go through some of those things. But what did he say? Come to me, all you who are, who are weary. And so this year, let's go to him that we were weary. Maybe you're weary here this morning, and I say go to him. When we have worship like we did this morning, go to him. Let him fill you up. Let him fill you up to overflowing. Let him come inside of you and let him, he says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. See, the, the context is, if you look at what he's trying to say, when you look at the way they, they would go out and, and they would have these oxen and, and um, they, would put, they would put the yoke on the oxen to pull stuff or to haul stuff. And, and you know, these oxen are strong. You know, and, and they could pull a lot of stuff, you know, and they could pull and pull. And eventually you'd have to let them slow down and, and, and rest and give them water and everything. And, and the Lord says, hey, this is how good it is. You, you hitch on with me, it's, 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 it's okay. Because my burden, what I really put on you, see, a lot of stuff we put on ourselves, but what I put on you, it's light. And the yoke that goes around your neck, it fits real, real comfortable, you know. It's not, it's not hard at all. It's really easy. And so we can believe in that. We can believe in that. So this year, who will you become? Will you become the person who takes your mind and you empty it of all impossibilities and all of, all of that? Is that the person you're going to become this year? And say, no, my God, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Is that what you're going to do? When, when you pray for Unlimited Church, for instance, and you pray for, for God to, to uh, let us reach people for him, are you saying, well, God, I'm not very good at it. I'll help you. Oh, God, how can we reach people? What can we do? How can I minister to somebody outside the church? How can I talk to them? How can I invite them to church? How can I do this? How can I do that? God, you're, you can do it through me. Instead of going, God, you, you, know, you can't, you know, I, I'm not good at that. If you remember Moses, he, was at, he, he, he had that problem. He says, I just can't talk, God. I just stutter a little bit, you know, and I, I just don't know what to say. And so the Lord says, all right, fine, Moses, I'll send Aaron to you. I'll send Aaron to you. And so Aaron shows up, and so Aaron had to do all the talking. God still used Moses, though, I will say that. So even in our shortcomings, if he has to bring somebody along besides you, like my wife comes along beside me to help me out, make me better. You know, sometimes it happens. She's my errand, you know. Well, I don't know if I want her talking for me, but you know what I'm saying. She's awesome. But God brings, may bring that. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, 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 like a daughter or a, or a son. Or, or maybe it's a friend that he brings along beside of you in those weak times that you have. And you're like, I just don't know if I can do this, God. Okay, here's somebody to help you out. I see that in our church. I, I got to tell you this. I just want you to be blessed in this t- today. So Christy is Christy's involved with a lot of people in the Maumelle area. And someone called her up the other day and, uh, or texted her and said, Hey, how you doing? We love you. We love you. We just, we just encourage you and, and we hope you're doing well. And she's like, Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm getting a lot better. They said, You know, uh, you know right now we don't really go to church anywhere. And, and uh, we don't, I don't know if her husband is, is saved. And she grew up in the church. But... She said, uh, but, you know, I make money, and I know I need to be tithing. 
Would it be okay if I give my tithes to Unlimited Church? Who is that? That is someone coming along beside us saying, hey, let me help out. But in the same respect, what we have to understand is while they're coming along beside us helping out, we're going to help them out. We're going to pray for them. We're going to seek out God's behalf on them. We're going to seek it out. Seek it out. But I want you to be encouraged to understand that sometimes God sends people along to help out. I don't know what our tithes are going to be. Maybe it's $25 a month. Maybe it's $2,500 a month. I don't know. That doesn't matter. What matters is that God says, hey, let me send somebody alongside to help you. Now, what are we going to do for them? Moses did a lot for Aaron. Aaron made a lot of mistakes. If you remember, Aaron allowed the people to melt all the gold down into a calf so that after they had just walked through the Red Sea for crying out loud. We've got to have somebody, something or somebody to worship. Build us a calf. What? A calf? That makes no sense. But they had to have something. And so today, who will you become? As we go into this next year, as we go into this next year, Tuesday will be 2019. Who will you become? We're praying for some people in this church. We're praying for some some sons and some daughters. We're praying for some great things to happen. When we come in and pray on a Sunday night, are we going to come in and pray with the fervor and tenacity of purpose and the belief that, no, God, these things are going to happen? Or are we going to come in and go, well, we hope they happen, God. We hope they happen. No, God, these things are going to happen. And should I say, should I say that maybe, God, we could just believe that they'll happen this year instead of next year? Can we do that? Can we come in on a Sunday morning and say, God, like Will said this morning, sometimes you come in and you're down and you're out and you've been beat up and you've been, you know, run over by the, the lawnmower or whatever it is. And you come into church and, and you go, oh, man. And, and can we be the person who says, hey, nothing's impossible. My mind's clear. Let me help you clear your mind. Let's get into worship. Let's get, get into study through the Sunday school. Let's get into to the preaching. Let's get into the altars. Let's see what God's going to do. Because let me tell you something. I don't want us this year. We've got a place now. We don't have an excuse. I don't want us to be worried about the time. I'll, if we want to come in the altars after service is over with, if we want to come and pray for hours at nighttime, whatever we want to do, I want us to say, God, how close can we get to you? How empty can our mind get so that this year is going to be the year that we really do what you called us to do? You got us in the mall now, God. Now that you got us in the mall now it's time for us to take this city. It's time for us to reach the people. And in your own lives, whether it's in, biz, in, in business or whether it's in employment or whatever it is, and we're needing to see some, some shaking going on and some moving going on, we say, God, okay, God, what do we got to do to get to that point now? Where do we got to go to get to that point now? And we're going to trust you to do it. That's what I want us to do this year.